Hello, this is Kennedy. If you listened to our last episode, you heard us say that our next book was going to be Parable of the Sower by Octavia E. Butler. And you're probably wondering why this episode is about the outsiders instead. And the answer is simply that we messed up and didn't both get a copy of Parable of the Sower in time to do this episode. So we did The Outsiders. But don't worry, Parable is still on our list and we are going to get to it. And in the meantime, enjoy The Outsiders. We both did. I went to sleep in a hoodlum's jacket with a gun lying next to my hand. Ponyboy Curtis. Hello, I'm Kennedy Weibel. And I'm Rebecca Capone. And this is Reading Pop Classics. Today, we're talking about The Outsiders by S.E. Hinton. S.E. Hinton is the nom de plume of Susan Eloise Hinton, and The Outsiders was her first book, famously written when she was still in high school. She began the novel as a short story when she was 15 and wrote the bulk of it when she was 16. She received her publishing contract on the day she graduated high school when she was 18 years old. The Outsiders and Hinton are credited with creating the young adult genre. The book was a hit when it came out in 1967. Uh, It was both well-reviewed and controversial, two ingredients that just equal high sales numbers. It today has sold more than 14 million copies, putting it not quite in the ranks of our last book, Valley of the Dolls, um, but putting it up there. And as of 2017, it was still selling 500,000 copies a year, according to its publisher, Viking. So, Rebecca, had you read this before? No, this was the first time I've read The Outsiders. Really? Yeah. I'm surprised to hear that. It's a really popular middle grade high school book. Uh, It's assigned in classes sometimes. I don't think I ever had it assigned, but it was around when I was a kid. I think I might have read this in seventh or eighth grade for the first time. Yeah, I realized like I was, I was kind of looking um, up some things about the book. I mean, I've heard about it for years, um, so the, the I'm familiar with it. Like I knew it was out there, um, and I knew that it was something that was assigned like in high school classrooms. But yeah, I just this wasn't something that ever uh, was in any of my curriculums. And for whatever reason, I just never I just never came across it. I never picked it up when I was younger, um, or when I was older. And so I I, I picked it. Um, I mean, I, I picked it up and read it really for the first time, you know, for us to do this podcast. Um, and that, and I knew that, you know, I knew the movie about it. I knew that the movie launched a lot of, um, a lot of really famous careers, um, you know, for actors from the eighties and nineties. Whenever people talk about what a genius Francis Ford Coppola is, I think they mean the outsiders. They don't, they always mean the Godfather, but it's a great movie. Absolutely stacked cast. Uh, you've got C. Thomas Howell as Ponyboy Curtis, Ralph Macchio as Johnny, Matt Dillon, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, Tom Cruise, Diane Lane is Cherry Valance, uh, Tom Waits has a bit part, Sofia Coppola, who we now know from The Virgin Suicides and Lost in Translation and Priscilla, all of her own movies, plays a child in it, and Nicolas Cage and Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Cam Neely. The hockey player all have bit parts as the Soch gang members, and Melanie Griffith is an uncredited uh, extra in it as well. Wow, that is basically every single person who was famous in the 80s, 90s, or early 2000s. Yes. It's also interesting, The Matt Dillon did at least three movies from her books, 
he might have done four. He did Rumblefish, which is also Francis Ford Coppola, which was not successful and is sort of an avant-garde experimental film almost. Matt Dillon was also in Tex. Emilio Estevez was also in Tex. And Emilio Estevez wrote the screenplay and was in That Was Then, This Is Now, which was made into a movie. So tell me, I think I know the answer. Does this pass the Bechdel test? It does not pass the Bechdel test. Um, But, you know, really much like Slaughterhouse-Five, there's just not a lot of women in this book. Um, There's not. There's not, right? This is a this is a book about a this is a book about brothers. This is a book about a gang of male friends. Um, we have Cherry Valence and Mar- her friend Marcia. Um, and there is not in the book a conversation between the two of them. And um, and then again, really, we just do not see or hear about a lot of other women um in this book just because of the nature of the story itself. No, I went through the Cherry and Marcia conversation several times. They Marcia speaks to Cherry once, but it's about Dally. It's about Dallas. So, right. That was also what I found. I went back to that conversation yeah. um, as well, just to kind of see if there was something I had missed or glossed over. Kind of like, um, you know, even like we talked about Valley of the Dolls, I had to really parse that to find conversations where women were not discussing men. Um, and in this, again, there's there's just not really conversations um, between two women. No, and uh, so I it gotta... does not pass the Bechdel test. The one woman who features most prominently in it, Cherry Valance, I think we could hear less from, to be honest. I don't care for her. You don't care for Cherry? She's not in it enough for me to feel strongly, strongly about it, but her whole like telling Pony Boy, like, oh, you think the socias have it so easy? Let me tell you, we go through things that you wouldn't even understand, things you've never even heard of. Things are rough all over. G-T-F-O. Cherry. No, you don't. <laughs> you do not. That's a garbage thing to say. It's not true. I'm sure there are socials who have problems, but absolutely no. That's a ridiculous statement. And there's there's nothing they go through that's harder than poverty. She's just wrong. She's just that is- she's a self-indulgent kid who is telling herself that to make herself feel better for being a have, talking to a have-not, and it's condescending, and I don't like her for it. That's fair. And, you know, it does come on the heels of him telling the story of Johnny, who who is, who is beaten up at home and uncared for at home, and then is just out, you know, walking around the lot because his drunk dad makes him and mother make him so unwelcome at home right and then just gets randomly jumped and beaten almost to death by a group of socias for what yeah. seems like no apparent reason by cherry's boyfriend like and she by has cherry's boyfriend yeah she doesn't have a leg to stand on with that nonsense and it made me dislike her immediately because she believes what she's saying and then after that whole thing when she tells him, like, you know, if I see you in the halls at school or someplace and I don't say hi, it's nothing personal. That is personal. You are a shallow and cowardly person, Cherry Valance. And I, uh, yeah, I don't know that the book needed any more of your input, if I'm being completely honest. And something that's interesting is I did, so from that conversation, I did expect there to be. I did expect there to be some example in the book of of life being hard for some yeah. of these socias. 
And then like sort of the only example we get is, you know, Bob's friend is talking, um, you know, he pulls Pony Boy aside. Um, he wants to talk to him after Bob after, has died, after yeah. the fire, after the fire, um, after Johnny and Pony Boy have rescued the children from the fire and Johnny's in the hospital. It's during he, the detente before the rumble. Yes. And he is kind of talking like, oh, you know, Bob's parents don't give him, you know, didn't give him any boundaries. Yes. Bob just, Bob has this awesome car and like all these great clothes and he just gets to go out and get like hammered with his friends all of the time and beat the crap out of poor people at will without any, and never get in trouble for it. But his parents didn't give him any boundaries. And that was a thing that he was, that he was sad about. And maybe that would have changed his situation. And it's like, Pony Boy's parents are dead. His brother has had to drop out of his brother has, you know, not gotten to go to to college. Right. Can't go to college, right? Because he's staying home caring for his for his two younger brothers. Um, and doing and doing his very best with that. And like this guy's like, Oh yeah, you know, Bob Bob wanted boundaries and he didn't have any, which is maybe one of the most privileged things. Yeah. He says it like he says it like poor Bob. He was craving them oh he needed those boundaries so badly also gtfo randy my complaint with the book i think by the way i i love this book i think it's incredible how much book there is like there's so much book in this 180 pages it is relentless yes there is so much story i'm absolutely floored that this book was written by a 16 year old i cannot believe this book was written by someone who was in high school yeah, there's parts of it where you, there's parts of it where like it feels there's uh, there's clunky pieces here and there that f- feel like a younger person wrote it. The Cherry Valence conversation is a little bit of that because then while she's saying that, we kind of expect that at some point we are going to see some hardship on the part of the Soches, and we don't get that. Yeah, and even some of uh, Pony Boys narration where he's like so the greasers dress like this and one of the things about us you gotta know there's a little it's a little bit clunky in places where he's giving you the world building i suppose some of that it happens to work out nicely that because as we learn at the end pony boy is writing this as a reader you can attribute it to the to pony boy not being that graceful of a writer but even that, it's almost not worth bringing them up. Like it is a tight, tight book that is absolutely like packed with story that keeps unfolding and keeps getting richer up until the last page. Like she wrote this, she wrote this motherfucker to the last period. Uh, yes, absolutely. I was, I was, I was pleased with the ending. I like that it turns out that Pony Boy has been writing this book. Um, and to your point, or, you know, just to follow up on what you said, I mean, the the, the writing is. The writing is simple. It's straightforward. This is taught in middle school for a reason, because a middle schooler can read this and understand it. And I didn't feel like I was reading, um, but I didn't necessarily feel like I was reading a middle school book either. It's very, it's very straightforward. It's very simple prose. Yeah. Um, but the, but the story in it, the content in it, the um, insight in it is, was not something that I felt, did not feel childish to me, did not feel, um, did not feel simple it felt like something that was really well you know really really well thought out and just like a really um a really compelling story yeah my only complaint with it is that i i think that it does try 
I think it is. I think Essie Hinton is being serious when she suggests that things are tough all over with the Sochas. I think Pony Boy's acceptance of that after he talks with Randy and hears that ludicrous story of how Bob was just so desperate for those boundaries and it's his parents' fault for not parents' fault for not giving them to him. And Pony Boy has it's a nice line at the end of that chapter that things were rough all over, but it was better that way. That way you could tell the other guy was human too. It's a good line. It's an ins- that's an insightful line. Yeah, I don't think the scenario before it lives up to it. But that is, again, my only real complaint with the book is I think as a teenager, she does want both sides of, you know, she wants everyone to get along and she wants to show that they're more same than different. And I think are sort of perhaps a little cheesy wish from the author, I think, to to actually, I think she, I think the author wants to make it seem even and make it seem like both sides do have it rough. I just don't think that's the only part I don't think works. Well, I think um, this has come up in previous podcasts that we've done. The the creative writing uh, kind of class mantra of show, not tell. And I think when it comes to like things being hard for the socias, it's 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 told and it's not shown. Yeah, it's 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 a very different life for somebody who is who is truly living in poverty, um, and then certainly compared to people who have a lot a lot of money. Corvairs and Madras shirts. Corvairs and Madras shirts. Yeah, like you know, um, it, we're not shown that. You know, these teenagers, you know, they're who whose parents have a lot of money. They they could have parents that are traveling all the time and are never home and don't and aren't caring for them. They could have parents that are also alcoholics or drug addicts, um, and are taking that out and and are abusive, right? So I mean, these are these are universal things that happen whether you have money or not. Just to use those things as some examples, but we don't we don't see that in the book. No, the the examples that were given are decidedly not that. Bob is spoiled, and if Bob wasn't quite so spoiled, maybe things would have turned out different. And that's not. Randy's bummed because his old man feels kind of bummed himself that he got mixed up in this. Like that's Randy's big regret. It's like my dad's a pretty nice guy, and I feel like I and let now him he's down. Disappointed, he's disappointed in me, and I don't like that. He's isn't dad isn't even like mad at him. No, it's not like he's like, showing oh, up. You know, it's not like he doesn't have his car anymore. He didn't get his car taken away. Right. He, yes, exactly. He shows up in his car. He shows up in his fancy clothes. His dad isn't like, oh, so you've just been out going around like beating up poor people? Violently, violently, violently beating up like five up on people. one, like a bunch of real pieces of shit beating up like small, weak, frightened people who are alone as a gang. Like they are... I don't find the socials redeemable in any way. I know that mm-hmm. Pony Boy, Pony Boy is kind of hard on his own people. Like he points out that they deserve a lot of what they get. Dallas is a criminal. Dallas is a Steals, criminal. Steals, mugs people. He is not necessarily a kind person either. But the socials are, and, and and I don't know that Dally is redeemed through his life. Like we're told again that it was very hard for him. We don't see that, but. But we also don't see him like in a gang beating up like like five guys beating up beating one kid to a pulp. Like the socials right. are an irredeemable group, in my opinion. Because the stuff with the greasers is a little 
little more, the way it's portrayed in this book is a little more, you know, they're, I mean, they're stealing things because they don't have money. You might be mugging people because you don't have money to, you yeah. know, to buy these things. They're maybe they're fighting amongst themselves a little bit. But yeah, we're not, you know, but yes, to your point, they're not just going out. They're not just going out and being awful for the sake of being awful, which is what we see with the Soshas. Yeah, it's unnecessary. Like it's unwarranted. Like there's, it doesn't justify criminality from the greasers, but there does, there is at least a motivator that exists at all. There's no motivation from the Soshas except just like the fun of cruelty. The The fun of cruelty. They're bullies. Like they have... and maybe it's this commentary on like they have so much, like things come so easily to them and that they have so much that like they need that extra, like, you know, like Wall Street guys that have just so much money. They're into like dominatrixes. Like they could just have like yeah. kind of any woman because like they're rich and there's like beautiful women, but it's like they just like need to pay these women to like be mean to them because the they rich- just have so much and so much comes easily. Like I almost see a little bit of that. Rich um, Wall Street guys who shoplift. Yes, 100%. Like, I almost see some of that with the socias of like, you just have so much and so much comes easily to you, that you have to do this, like, really, ex- this, this extreme cruelty. It's like, almost comical. Like, why are you doing this? What is They're your hunting motivation? Them. They're going to their, at least from what we as the reader know, the greasers do not seem to wander over to like their neighborhoods and pick on them. Like, they are coming to greaser neighborhoods to lower income neighborhoods and just like, they pick Johnny walking down the side of the road by himself and beat him and leave him, leave him like bloody and like really messed up in a, in a, in an empty lot. Like on the verge of death, if his like yeah. friends hadn't found him and like yeah. cared for him and, and right. Like he'd just be laying there for his parents aren't going to come look for him. They're not, they don't care. Right. Right. And his, his, his friends save him. Um. So something that, so a point that I wanted to kind of bring up, um, the the greasers are these kids are pretty worldly. Yeah. Which I think which I think is um a little bit a part of of growing up in that in that context, growing up with growing up with less, growing up with harder things. Um so like a a quote that I had kind of, so I had been kind of thinking that as I was like reading the book is just like these kids, these kids are real grown up. And so there's a quote, uh, 16 years on the streets and you can learn a lot but all the wrong things, not the things you want to learn. 16 years on the streets and you see a lot, but all the wrong sights, not the sights you want to see. Um, so I think that Cherry just, ki- just kind of an example of, yeah, like this, these kids are just really worldly, like they've grown up so quick. Cherry says um, something, I guess I, I said I didn't care for anything that she added to this, but she has the line that um, when they're at the drive-in, and she mm-hmm. she says to them that because he's like oh you think we're too innocent she says no not innocent you've seen too much to be innocent you're just not dirty because yeah I Dally, highlighted that because too. Dally was sitting there saying foul things to them which I think it's interesting that the book doesn't um, curse it does not name any of the things that Dally said that were inappropriate. And it does that several times where it it's like, oh, times. and then he broke off in a, in a stream of, you know, yeah. unpleasant things, inappropriate things. Um, yeah, I also think that's that's interesting. And it makes me wonder if like as a young person, she just didn't feel like she had license to like write that a, or like put that in a book, you know. She puts so much else in there. I wonder if it's I mean, I like it about the book, actually. I find it charming that that our narrator pony boy doesn't talk that way 
and doesn't record it like just you can like you don't need me to list out all these horrible things you can you understand what dirty talk is and you understand you what blasphemy and cursing is and you don't need me to I, I sort of appreciate that i find it just one more charming thing about pony boy yeah i enjoy that too that is a good point um but so but then something else i noticed that it, something i just like thought was really cute so so like i said like i'm reading this like these these greasers like these kids are really worldly they have so much insight like they're so grown up they've grown up too fast in a way that i don't that i don't think is is great you know or 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 they they have these street smarts which isn't something that can necessarily be taught and that's not something that like like that is something that they would have that like the socials aren't going to have right like just a lot of those street smarts and and kind of like that learning on your feet that you just that's not that's not in books that's not in school um that's through having life experiences but then i was really charmed by when pony boy is like making breakfast um for his brothers and he's talking about how like they always have chocolate cake with breakfast yeah because they just love that and it's like you know they they're kids their children, their their parents have died. They are playing adults almost in this house together. And but like they still have chocolate cake for breakfast. And yeah. he and he doesn't like comment on it. She's like, oh, like, well, we have chocolate cake for breakfast because we all love chocolate cake. And it's just like, well, that's so it just I, I thought it was nice to see that like kind of childlike touch in there. And maybe just like as a reminder to the reader, that th- these are children. Yeah. These are children dealing with just incredibly adult things from the the get-go of this novel and then certainly through it. The whole scene I I've, I've marked up my book, the whole scene where he's making breakfast for his brothers after he's come back, Johnny's in the hospital, the rumble hasn't happened yet. Um but he's in there making it and was it he he yells to the other boys not to slam the door because his brothers are sleeping, but he yells. But he yells it. Yes, it's which is an absolute 14-year-old kid thing to do. To like mess up yeah. your attempt at responsibility. It, it's utterly charming. It's very sweet. It's very real. Like yelling for them to be quiet so that he they don't, so that two bit and Steve don't wake up. Soda and dairy, and right. honestly, just that whole thing where like the they come in and they pick him up and they're tossing him around, and the boys come in getting ready and getting dressed uh, and are eating, and just the back and forth conversation. Uh, dairy knocking Steve down on the floor, Steve lying there on the floor and still commenting and talking from the floor, just in the middle of their kitchen, is all very realistic, like rough and tumble teenage boys alone in a house doing whatever and it also is part of that like where i said like she just she wrote this thing to the very last word like there's a there's a mention in there that they all what is it they all call dairy something like the the muscle man or something they all make these little like jokes about how he's like muscle bound but one time steve made went a little too far and said that he also wasn't smart and all brains, no, uh, all, all brawn, no brain. That's what something it was. along those lines. Yeah. And I think Derry hit him at the time, but Derry never quite forgave him for it, which is just, it's a, it, it almost seems like a throwaway, but it's just, it's character enrichment. It keeps them from being flat. The funny one, the mean one, the quiet one, like it, 
it's just real life things that are added and because in, Derry in their... has this level of maturity, right? Like he's he's had to step into this adult role, this parental role, and and he's done that. He doesn't have like he doesn't have to do that, right? I mean, he feels sure. like he does, right? But I mean, from this outside perspective, this is not something he has to do. This is not something that like. No, he could put both a lot his of other. I think he's twenty, so like this is yeah. not something that a lot of other twenty-year-olds like might have done or or been able to do. Like you know, some other twenty-year-olds might have come in and and been and been like Bob's parents, right, with no boundaries. Um, and instead, we see the opposite of that in Dairy, and that was something something I really enjoyed in this book. Is like I feel like because um, I did not read this in middle school. I read this as an adult, so. Um, Pony Boy and Derry's relationship is is strained, right? Or Pony Boy feels that it is. He feels like he's always being chastised. He feels like he's always being, um, he's always getting in trouble. He's always being told he's not like using his head. And from the get go, I looked at that as like, because Derry's trying to be your parent, he wants to take care of you. He sees that you are smart and you have potential. And just like a lot of other parents, he sees that you have opportunities that he didn't have, and he wants to make sure you have them. Yeah. Um, I think and Ponyboy also... comes to realize that throughout the book and his, and their other friends see that like the other friends are also like, you know, he makes this comment of like, we don't have a great relationship. He's horrible to me and Johnny. And I think it's too bitter, both like, what? Like, that's not, that's yeah, not And I true. like that. I like that. It's not, I think it's just one of the great things about the book is that it's not something it's called out early. Like the other characters make a comment about it, and Pony Boy is allowed to just be a flawed character in his own narration because he doesn't understand. And I think that there's also well, that's not something you understand from your parents either. When you have a no. parent that's constantly coming down on you, you look at it as like this parent doesn't care for me or they don't like me. They're always I'm always in trouble. I'm always getting yelled at. When the parent is doing everything they they can to be a, to be a good parent. I mean, reasonably, hopefully, right? Like in in this type of um. In this type of situation, some parents, of course, are not good caring parents. But um, in this type of situation, right? You know, it, a child doesn't a child doesn't see that. A child just feels like they're always getting, um, you know, corrected or yelled at. Yeah. And he does, you know, come around and realize. And I really love he has this moment of realizing my dad had two, you know, that his father had two children before him. His father is raised soda pop and dairy. And then he gets to Pony Boy, and so he is he is gentler. He is loving. He's learned how to be a parent. And John and excuse me, Pony Boy realizes like I'm Dairy's first child, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Because he's closer in age to Soda Pop, and Soda is older. You know, is a few years older when they lose their parents, and doesn't have the the, the book smart potential. He doesn't, that have, Pony the, he Boy doesn't has. have the growth potential. He doesn't have the growth potential. You know, yeah. he's 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 done his own, he's he's okay. He's set on his own path, and like he's doing okay, but he doesn't have the growth potential. So you know, Pony Boy recognizes that, right? Like I'm his first child. And understands where where it's coming from, and their their the arc of their relationship in the book I thought was really was was really well written, and that was something that surprised me that a sixteen year old could write that. I was also very impressed by that in this reading, which I accepted this at face value when I read it when I was younger. I didn't think about it quite as deeply. I think there's another layer to that, even where when they get to the rumble right before the rumble, I think it's two bit makes a comment that. He says, if it weren't for us, the only thing that's keeping Derry from being a Soch is us. We're the only thing keeping yeah. him from being a Soch. And I think that there's, a, I think additionally, with everything you said, I think that Pony Boy has sort of internalized that and feels 
I think Ponyboy, without maybe necessarily putting his finger on it, recognizes that and feels that some of the distance between them is maybe due to that. Like, I'm holding him back. Like, I'm another greaser in this Soshas. And he has some guilt. He has some guilt about it. Yeah, this guy's only here because of us. He has guilt about it. And I, I think he recognizes that, like, Derry is meant for better things. And here he is killing his back, doing a roofing job. So this greaser kid can, like, stay in his bedroom. So what we come to, come to kind of see through the novel is that Ponyboy, he's an observer. Yeah. I mean, so the end of the novel, we learn he's 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 writing this, right? But we don't know that throughout the book. And so, you know, kind of a thought I I had is it's like, you know, so he's he's this observer, but he recognizes himself as being a little bit different from his friends too, right? Like he is very familial and and loyal and understands the relationships and understands his part and his role, like it within this group of boys outside outside of just his brothers, right? This this little gang of um of greasers but he but i think he realizes he's a, that he is that he's like dairy right he's this an outsider who's on the inside or yeah. you know an, an insider who is ever so slightly able to to view and see things from the outside a little bit and that's the thing that they have in common but they're not like the socias right they don't have this they don't have this this cruelty this need for cruelty they just have opportunities that don't necessarily exist for their other friends and and yeah. within this other group, they they have something that sets them a little bit apart, that makes them a little bit different, but they can still be a part of this family, this chosen family. Yeah, and that's I mean that is they've chosen a family. If you had to guess, do you know how long it, it's been since their parents died? I think it says in the book, and it's not been it that long. I want to say it's been nine months, but eight. it seems it's like eight. it's been no, longer. It's been eight. I was okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's been eight months. It seems like it's been longer. The weight pony talks about it a couple of times where he's like, Derry's always, it's, it's the dairy conversations where he's like, Derry's always doing this and Derry's always, which threw me off at first. But then I realized for a 14 year old, first of all, who is not emotionally dealt with the death of his parents um, at all, uh, he's, he's not okay with it. And no one is talking him through it because there's two other boys in the house just trying to like, make ends meet there's two other children the in the house who yeah. have also lost their parents right yeah and and a 14 year old just isn't necessarily equipped to deal with that on their own um but it's only been eight months but it's the way he talks about dairy like he's always doing this and he always that and he's always getting on me makes you think that he's been raising him a lot longer but like these kids are not o over the death of their parents like that is it has been inside of a year that they died but that's also i mean eight months to a 14 year old is different than eight months to to someone who's older eight months feels like a much longer yeah. time you know when is. you're when you're young right like that's uh it's, it's 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 a bigger proportion of your life when you're when you're only when you've only been on the earth for 14 years i also think it's an echo of there's a couple of things in here in this book that feel like uh se hinton just grafted on other things that she like like that feels very catcher in the rye to me like the i don't know if you remember catcher in the rye mm -hmm. uh but the his brother had died and he didn't get to go to the funeral and it's this unspoken like we we are told that that happened but it's this sort of unspoken reason of why holden is maybe going through what he's going through like 
where his disposition comes from, what's driving the behavior that we see throughout the book. And that's what this feels like, is that she read that and she was like, oh, that's like the parents. The parents have only been dead eight months. And like that's hanging over this kid through the whole thing as this, we're told about it. But that's this like sort of unspecified thing that is driving his disposition, his melancholy, his his situation and the behaviors that come out of him at the same time. It that is. And, it is a big thing that's hanging over the book. That in Dallas's death is just the end of Rebel Without a Cause. <laughs> like it's almost the exact end of Rebel yeah. Without of, of Rebel Without a Cause. Um she, I feel she definitely just lifted that right out of out of a movie that would have that she would have seen. Right. I'm like, sure, yes. It sounds like she is she's got some influence from those from those things. And then she says that the story is also influenced by what life was like in the town where she grew up that this i think what spurred the the, the initial short story was like that a friend of hers was beaten up yeah um, much much in the manner it got jumped much in the manner that johnny is and this is something that, that that happened um and wasn't dealt with like this is such a big thing that happens to these kids and like the you know the socials are never in trouble for it um no this there's... is also not a time i mean you know we we talk about bullying now in a way that like when I was in high school and being bullied, when I was in middle school and got bullied, or I saw it happening to other people, adults just kind of told you to work it out and that that was part of yeah. being kids, or that was my experience. I mean, unless things were really, you had to really go through, you had to really prove some, you know, you had to really prove some things to get, for anyone to get in trouble for bullying, you know, when you and I were younger. And now it's something that's taken much more seriously, which I'm glad about. Um, but this, you know, this book is also set in a time that that, I guess, I guess I didn't care that these rich kids were just out beating poor people to They're death. They're like predators. Because, <laughs> yeah, this is like a really scary thing. The book starts um, with Pony Boy. Let's just rock it through some of the like. The book starts with Pony getting jumped, and he gets rocked pretty good before the boys show up and like chase off the Soshas. We learn in, in that moment that Johnny has recently or a little while ago, just gotten absolutely like brutally beaten and dumped face down in a lot. Just absolute savagery. Um, they go to the movies where they meet Cherry and Marsha and Dallas runs off and Tubit comes and sits with them. They see the girl's boyfriends when they were going to drive them home and the, they, the girls go off with their boyfriends instead. Those guys find pony and johnny later in the night and start trying to drown <laughs> pony boy right so they're so they're going to murder pony boy basically he's drowning he's about to pass out in this fountain yeah <laughs> and johnny saves his life very yeah. frankly right like yeah so then they go and they find Dallas, who tells them to get on the train, who sends them up to the church. Then the church catches fire. They save a bunch of children inside the church. Johnny gets his back broken. They come back, and they're in the paper. Then the rumble happens? Then, yes. Then so Johnny the rumble dies. has been sort of in place prior to the it was sort of in place prior to like the fire, right? They find yeah. out about it when da uh, when Dallas comes to get them. Then the rumble happens and Johnny dies. 
and then Dallas robs a grocery store, and then he is killed by the police. And a very apparent, which is very apparently like a suicide attempt, right? Like he goes and does this kind of unnecessary. It's suicide by cop. Yes, he goes and does this like unnecessary thing to get in trouble. Um, Yes, to knowing that what the outcome is going to be, because he has this unloaded gun, right? He's I'm carrying this gun around and it's not loaded, but which the police, of course, don't know when he pulls it out. Yeah, no, it's suicide by cop. And then the book's still not over because Pony Boy has to go through like a week long fever. Then he has to go to court. Then Soda Pop has a breakdown and like really kind of helps Pony Boy. It's sort of the 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 push that is what it's it's where Pony Boy stops being quite so selfish. Selfish in the way a 14 year old is. Quite right. so self-involved, maybe, is the better yeah, way. Yeah, self-involved it. is a better way to say it. Yeah. And then we come to our conclusion. Like the it just the story just keeps going like we don't end on the rumble we don't end on johnny's death we don't end on saving the orphans like we're we're we push through all we keep going through all of the sort of climactic moments the book keeps going it stays and the book keeps going there continues to be story yeah we stay with our characters to see how they feel about it afterwards which i'm also like impressed of a 16 year old thought to do that that didn't just end with the fight or didn't just end with johnny's death that we, we even go through ponies we clear. Go through a little bit of pony boys like fallout pony boy is clearly dealing with PT, his ptsd yeah g- grief ptsd no he's kicked he's kicked in the rumble um yeah he gets, he's, i mean it's a, he's it's a you know yeah he's he's beaten up pretty pretty badly i was trying to remember if he had like a if he had kind of a head injury he does he get gets concussed. concussed. One of one of the guys kicks him in the head. One of the guys kicks him straight. This also echoes back to yeah. our slaughterhouse five a little bit with like the because he is yeah. he is he's he's losing um he's losing con- he's losing concentration he's doing poorly in school these are these are things that are ju- just like we talked about with Billy Pilgrim right these are signs of PTSD these are signs of um of of having been concussed suffering from some of those things and it seems like he starts to come out of it a little bit after soda pops breakdown he starts to reflect and stuff a little bit more and then we see that he's kind of set on this he's learning from these experiences he's growing from these experiences yeah poor... because him and Derry are still fighting because poor Derry is trying to raise a grief-stricken 14 year old precocious kid who got jumped up a grade in grade school who's like clearly smarter than than is necessarily easy for anyone to deal with you know one thing um about sherry valence that because you're kind of you said you could you could do less with her she needs to be there i just i i I dislike her point of view as a as a person she needs to be there but i think something that's interesting the point of because as we discussed, her point of view is not quite backed up in the book. Um, for us, we're, we're not we're no. not given the opportunity to sort of be like, oh yeah, no, the socials have it hard too. That's not something that 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 we see in the book. We as adults know that that everybody can have bad things in life, sort of regardless of of your station. But we are not we don't see that in these book, and I have zero. Um, it it's not on the page. It isn't there. I, yeah, I don't have any compassion for the the socials in this book, um, and that includes Cherry. But she, but she's drawn. 
to she's drawn to the greasers. She's drawn to something to something outside of what she knows. She's drawn to the fact that they are more that they are more passionate, right? And that they seem to live life in a way that she does not see the people around her doing. Um, and uh, and Randy says something along the lines of like maybe this is the first time he's really had any like feelings that he's aware of. That's the thing. That's the thing that she says is that they're cold. That she describes them in the way like she describes them living like every Brady Stanella's yes. character is how is how she kind of uh, describes what it's like to be a social, like a cold, unfeeling, sort of passionless, unexcitable yes. person. And she's drawn like to the, she's drawn to the, Dallas. She's drawn to Pony Boy. She likes him. So you know, Cherry and Marcia uh, when they're walking back with uh, two bit and Johnny and pony boy uh, for them to give them a ride back. They, and they encounter their boyfriends, you know, they, they leave with the boyfriends because they can kind of see how, how it's going to go. They see that it's, there's more socias than there are um, greasers in this case, right? They're angry because they're with their girlfriends. Um, So they kind of just leave to keep the peace. Um, But it seems like they leave a little bit reluctantly, which does fuel, however, um, which does fuel, however, the socials to come back and, uh, you know, they come across Johnny and Pony Boy, And then obviously what we talked about, you know, they, they try to drown Pony Boy, um, and Johnny ha- and Johnny has, has to protect him. Essentially, you know, it really is a, a kind of an act of self-defense, which if we could brings me to wanting to talk about Johnny um, in general a little bit more, because Johnny is also somebody who stands out from the group, you know, we have um, kind of like Tubit and Steve are are lumped in together a little bit. Uh, there's some other greasers and stuff that are mentioned that just aren't more prominent characters that are lumped in together a little bit. But Johnny is also kind of this quiet standout. Like him and Ponyboy have a little bit of a closer relationship because that's they're a little closer in age um, for one, and then that's something that they share a little bit is a little bit more of this like. Uh, um, being against sort of slightly outside while on the inside. And I think maybe just this like quieter, more observant. Ponyboy comments on it that Johnny's Johnny's kind of the one who, besides Soda Pop, his his brother that he loves or that he's very, very enamored of and feels very close to. He mentions that Johnny is the like the only friend he would talk about sunsets with or anything sort of less tough less tough that's a great less way to tough. say it yeah. yeah that he's open to having conversations about things like that and about how he feels about things and his emotions although i do have to say all of the boys are not to dismiss how pony boy feels about it he mentions that johnny is the one he can talk about things that are a little more close to his soul about but all of the boys actually do seem pretty conversational and curious and they don't they don't seem to posture on on macho or masculinity. No, they're in a way. they 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 act a lot more like boys. They don't strike me any of them as giving like another one grief for being non-masculine traits. No, if anything, they're you're right about them because um, I had actually kind of made a note that they're very. Um, so they're, for one, they're they're verbally very caring of each other. Yes, is it's, something it's, that we see. Yeah, and they are physically affectionate with each other. Yeah, in a way that. Um, and now I am not. I am absolutely not saying that that isn't masculine or manly. But that isn't ways that we portray masculinity. It's also not the way that greasers are coded. 
from from the movie right. Grease to I don't really know of anything else that has Grease. West Side Story, I guess. Sure. Which yeah. also actually feels like this, like she would have seen West Side Story, and she's borrowed some pieces from West yes. Side Story for this too. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's not the way we code the toughs. The black leather jacket crowd with the slick back hair are not coded as being verbally open, emotionally open, or physically uh, caring and and sensitive to one another's like concerns and needs. Right. These aren't these aren't the ways that I think like sort of our society or American society portrays masculinity. And they're these boys are their their affection and their love for each other is very clear. Yeah. Um, I think in both their their words and their actions. And as I was like noting this, um, you know, it's it's like puppies. You know, <laughs> that they play with each other, right? They yeah. they play with each other and they bite each other because that's how that's how animals um that's how animals learn is is through play and they have this like rough and tumble play, right? But then puppies also like <laughs> You know, you also find them in just like a cuddle puddle, all <laughs> snuggled together too. Sleep in a heap. Yeah. So something that that struck me a little, and so in this vein, something that struck me a little bit, and then I do want to go back to talking about Johnny, Pony Boy, and Soda Pop sleep in the same bed. Yeah. And I had initially, when that initially comes up, and they're and they're affectionate with each other, right? Like he, you know, he wakes up and Soda's got like his arm around him and stuff. Um. And I so assumed that they share a bed in a room because the house isn't very big because they don't have a lot of money. And then we learn later, since the parents have died, Pony Boy, Pony Boy's struggling, right? He's having these bad dreams. He can't put his finger yeah. on them, but he wakes up in terror. And that's why Soda Pop is sleeping in the same bed as him. Yeah. And again, we, has find, we find that out much later in the book. The Paul cast by like the recent death of these parents is just right. all over these kids. Right. But we learned that that's like, that's why the two of them are sharing yeah. a bed. And I just, like I said, I just found, I just found that to be interesting. Like I said, it's just, it's not the ways that we, that, that our society portrays masculinity, but, but these are guys that are, that are tough. These are guys that, that they don't back down from the rumble. They show up and they win the rumble. These are guys that fight. These are guys that steal. They are, they, they pound on each other a little bit. They react to being um, teased or mocked by each other with, with violence sometimes i mean with yeah brotherly brotherly violence but like violence nonetheless um but then like i said they're, but, but they're they, so loyal and affectionate with each other too that violence it sounds like they all know what it means and they all know how to react and deal it out when dairy hits pony it's clearly outside of the lines it's outside of that yes it is like he is like genuinely hurt not the way when he talks about getting smacked around very casually for like other little brother type infractions against not even necessarily his brothers, but like, you know, Dallas knocking him upside the head or two bit, giving him a smack or whatever. These sort of actually two bit does smack him when he says the mean thing to Johnny about how his parents don't like him. Right. Two bit hits him and he apologizes and it's not like he doesn't run and, off. But to he the also feels like he deserves it a little bit, right? Like he realizes yeah. he said something hor horrible and, and unnecessary um, to Johnny. Yeah. Who are, who already, who's already got it pretty bad. Yeah, poor Johnny. Let's talk about Johnny. So let's talk his... about Johnny and how one of the sad and how I think that about Johnny, I think Johnny has one of the saddest things I've ever read in literature and I'm going to find it. And it's when, um, when Dallas comes to, when the boys are, they're staying in the church 
and Dallas comes to get them to sort of let them know they can come, they can come home. Oh God. Right? I know. I know the scene you're going to you know it's, exactly what I'm. Yeah. It's horrible. So they're in the diner and, and Dallas is telling him, Dallas is telling pony boy, um, or no, they decide to go back. He doesn't tell them that they can come back. He goes to just kind of update them. Right. And they decide yeah. to come back. Johnny's just like, I'm going to go back and like face up to what I've done. Um, because that's the kind of guy that Johnny, you know, that Johnny is Johnny's they run away because they don't know what to do. They go to Dallas because Dallas is always in trouble. He gives them a, a, a plan. They follow through with it. And then Johnny's kind of having this, like, he takes some time to deal with it. And it's like, I'm, I'm going to go face up for this. I'm going to go tell them what happened. It was self-defense. And if I get in trouble, I get in trouble. Um, but so they're with Dallas and he's telling Johnny, uh, excuse me, he's telling pony boy, you know, that his brothers miss him and that they're worried about him. He gets a letter. Pony Boy gets a letter. Pony Boy gets a letter. And Johnny and uh, Dallas asks if he's, uh, or, you know, are you sure you want to go back? Because us greasers get it worse than anyone else in terms of turning himself in. Johnny nodded and he says, I'm sure. It ain't fair for Pony Boy to have to stay up in that church with dairy and soda worrying about him all the time. I don't guess he swallowed and tried not to look eager. I don't guess my parents are worried about me or anything. I I had to stop. I had to put the book down for a moment. That's Dall- Dally tries to duck is, the question and he asks again, doesn't he? He tries to duck the question. He says, the boys are worried. Your chosen family is worried. Yeah. This is how he tries to write. Like he tries to, you know, you're, the people that really care about you are worried. But he said, yeah, he repeats again. My parents, did they ask about me? No, they didn't. Blast it, Johnny. Why do they matter? Shoot, my old man don't give a hang whether I'm in jail or dead in a car wreck or drunk in the gutter. That don't bother me. So he's trying to make him feel better. But that's one of the saddest things I've ever read. I I literally had to put the book down for a moment. And then when I turned the page and it turned out that he asked again and had to like face the answer made me feel even worse. I, I really had to take a moment. I just think Johnny really... It's also a parallel to that nitwit Randy's dumb story about Bob, like craving some kind of boundary or something like this is a kid who is craving just acknowledgement that he exists. This is this is rough. Bob has too nice of a car. Not rough. Not in the same category. Doesn't come close to And Bob's parents kind of love him so much that they don't give him any boundaries, which is also different than like. Because it's also not really presented that Bob's parents are like, it's not that they're not around a lot and don't no. give him boundaries. It's not like his dad's traveling for work and his mother's a socialite and they don't pay much attention to him. And he was raised by nannies and he's not given boundaries. His parents just love him and spoil him so much that he doesn't have any boundaries. Yeah, no, which he was, again, he, they spoiled different. him and he became a like, like old milk. Horrible monster. Yeah, not good anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I like that expression, like old milk. Yeah. Um, no, poor Johnny. And then. And Johnny and Dallas's relationship is really interesting because, you know, we you had commented earlier that we don't really see any any redemption for Dallas. But the little bit of redemption for Dallas is how much he cares for Johnny. Yeah. Because it seems that John, the Dallas we're, we're told and we see sort of the Dallas doesn't really care about anybody or anything. But but we see, but he cares about Johnny, yeah. so much so that when this ha- when this happens to Johnny, this is kind of the one good thing he has or he sees in the world is his his affection for Johnny. 
Johnny has an adoration for him. They too kind of have this special relationship. And when he loses that, he's done. That breaks him. Uh, uh, it breaks two him. Bit, two bit says it like there's, they finally found something that could break Dallas. Is it Dallas Winston? I think so. Yeah. He goes off into the night and makes enough bad decisions that he can't come back from because he's done. Because he's done. Yeah. He, he won't, he won't go on now that this has happened to Johnny. Johnny's carrying this this knife around, the switchblade around that kills Bob because he is terrified of being jumped again and he wants to be able yeah. to defend himself if it happens again. It does happen again, but instead of having to defend himself, he has to defend Ponyboy and kills Bob, which does effectively scare off the other Soshas who finally see some sort of consequence for their action, their actions. Um, although that does not seem to stop them from continuing to be to be horrible and to want to have this rumble. It seems like maybe if one of you got killed, you pick a different, go bully some middle-class people or find a new hobby, find a dominatrix. Um, I think if I tangled with these guys and they killed one of us, I might be like, maybe we should leave, maybe we should leave them alone. I don't, I know you want to avenge your brother, your fallen comrade, but But like, but it was a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old, and there were four of you, and one of you is dead. Like, I'd stop, dead. Yeah, I'd stop messing with these guys. Kind of, yeah, I kind of felt that would put it into my bullying. But um... Something I really do appreciate in the book is that the consequences of that are, like for all of the kids, uh, they behave very, very realistically. When, when they get back, Randy is going to testify that like they were – like it's not he doesn't like have to be convinced to do it he wasn't about to lie to the judge he saw a guy get killed and he is just going to go to court and tell the judge what happened he understands that it is not Johnny's fault cherry valance is going to testify that like uh the things she saw earlier in the night she was not a witness to the crime that led up to the incident but the it's not no one I think it is realistic that kids that age would be scared into telling the truth and be scared yeah. into coming forward. It there it, it lacks I appreciate that it lacks the melodrama of it, they were going to engage in some kind of conspiracy to pin it all on Pony and Johnny. It it unfolds realistically, I think. I think it unfolds in a way or it was set to unfold prior to Johnny dying in a way that I think speaks to how people actually act. And I suppose if there is one redeemable part about the Soshas, it is Randy. And we do see that he is willing to come forward and just be like, this was not Johnny's fault. He was defending his friend. Like my friends went too far. Like this isn't cold blood. My friend murder. my friend would have my friend would have killed somebody. Yeah. My friend would have killed Pony Boy and he was defending his friend. Yeah. I suppose Randy despite the fact that his take on Bob, I guess they're not like they're kids. Why would they see themselves clearly? Like our narrator doesn't see himself clearly. It's one of the strengths of the novel. I guess I should maybe not hold it. Well, well I still think, in, I, I, think Bo- Cher- I still think Randy's Cherry is, friend. I think Cherry's out of line. I, um, I think Randy is a, an idiot. This is, I, I mean, this is Randy's best friend. So for him to want to yeah. step in and be like, oh, but he is a really good guy. He's this, that, and the other. Think about, you know. No, I have like some crummy friends who I would still defend. Who you would defend, right? <laughs> yeah. Or you see, you know, you, you're friends with people that date uh, and they break up. 
in their breakup. Yeah, I would stand up for my friends. I get it. When you have a close relationship with somebody, you see different sides of them and it's you can acknowledge that there are sides of them that that aren't great, right? Um, but you see sides of them that you care about and that you like. You see you see a person for who they are and even somebody who who sucks pretty hard as we seem to think that Bob does. You know, Bob Bob has a whole life and and things that have informed who Bob is. Um Randy and Bob have a long history of friendship just the way the greasers have friendships with each other and the greasers are People are friends with Dallas Winston and he seems like he sucks. Yeah. But they're friends with him. And for what it's worth, two kids show up to be like, yo, we just killed one of those socias because they attacked us. And now we don't know what to do. And he's like, hold on a second. And he comes back and is like, here's a bunch of cash and a gun and a plan. Pony boy. Why are you all wet? You're going to freeze to death. Also, here's my jacket. Here's just like my coat. That's another one of those things that blows my mind that she wrote this at such a young age is the mirroring of Derry's concerns for Pony Boy in Dallas. Like the fact that it is not, it, it shows us the reader. Pony Boy doesn't get it. Pony Boy stands there. I think he says, um, he sounded so much. So what Dallas says is, you ought to know better than to run away in just a sweatshirt and a wet one at that. Don't you ever use your head. He sounded so much like Derry that I stared at him. Pony Boy in the narration, as he's telling us this incident, does not recognize the significance of it. But like we as the reader, of course, like realize that, you know, we know that his brother Derry is just trying to like take care of him. Pony Boy feels all, you know, away about it because he's in grief and he's upset and he's a kid but to your point earlier about how much they care for one another like how like outwardly they are caring towards each other like this is dairy just being also big brotherly like yeah. being paternal in a way like how like use your head what are you doing out here in a wet sweatshirt what's the matter with you oh what Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get to change my clothes after we after this guy's dead. <laughs> no, I like that. I like that the book like <laughs> points to the fact that Pony Boy is wrong about this. That he is reading the situation yes. with his brother incorrectly. That he is being childish. It's it's both true. It makes the character better, and it strengthens the novel. And I I like that the 16 year old kid writing this I knew to put that in there. Right. That's it's a lot of nuance. It's a lot of layers. Um because I gotta tell you, the I am I said I had one complaint with it and it was that, that I think the the socias I think the book does think that it is showing like that that is rough for them. Or, you know, I think the book does believe that. I said that was my one complaint. The other is that Derry and Dally are nearly the same damn name. Right. They're close. They're they're close. I they're, mean, they're, yeah. Yeah. Because they do always refer because I mean Dally Dally is Dallas, but he is referred to through most of the book as Dally, right? Like we know his name is Dallas. Derry is Daryl, but he's referred to through most of the book as Derry. Um, And maybe she did that on purpose. I mean, I think she did because she was 16 and she's like, so Derry and Johnny or Dally and Johnny mirror Derry and Pony Boy. And I feel like she maybe hit the nail a little too nail a little too uh what is there an expression for that i can't think of a thing but it's it's maybe a little too maybe a little too on the nose nose. yeah a little too on the nose um i have to tell you the 
something I just want to bring up because I just the the story about when the, uh, Johnny and Pony used to go to church and how they enjoyed going to church and they used to like try and go every now and again, but then all the boys want to come with them one time, which again, just caring and sweet. They are very sweet, these boys. They're very sweet, these boys, absolutely. To be a bunch of hoods. Um, the, all the boys want to come with them and Steve and Soda Pop can't sit still and then someone drops uh, a hymnal very loud and everyone turns around and I just love that that little anecdote ends with and then two bit waved at them like the yeah and he's and they're mortified they're mortified <laughs> two bits just over there like everybody turns around and instead of having i guess i guess he expected that he would have the grace to look like embarrassed yeah instead of having the sense to be sheepish about like it waves, he, he waves. Like, oh yeah no it was me now you're all looking at me i dropped the book we're the ones back here creating a, a minor ruckus yeah i um, during I, I, church I, I, I like that anecdote um, a lot. I got to. There are I, some very comic thing. There are some cute, like comic things, throughout this book. Yeah, I will note. I'm not trying to like. I, I, you, you can you cannot like Cherry Valens or her part in the book. I, so I'm not over here just trying to be like the Cherry cheerleader. No, you but, can be a um, Cherry cheerleader. You, it's it's. But something that I highlighted that I thought was nice is when she initially meets Pony Boy. You know, she asks his name and he says, I wish she hadn't asked me that. I hate to tell people my name for the first time. And he tells her, Pony Boy Curtis. And he says, then I waited for the you're kidding or that's your real name or one of the other remarks I usually get. Pony Boy is my real name. And personally, I liked it. The redhead, because we don't have Cherry's name yet. The redhead just smiled. And what she says, she says, that's an original and lovely name. And she doesn't make a comment and she doesn't make him feel bad about the fact that his dad gave two of his children very stupid names. And I don't understand how the first one got away with being named Daryl and the other one gets Soda Pop and Pony Boy. I think Daryl is a junior. But why do these other two kids get such outrageously stupid names? Because because Derry had to mirror Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> because the 16 year old who wrote this needed dairy and dally to be very close to one another so that the metaphor for dallas and johnny and dairy and pony boy would would work because she didn't think it would work if their names weren't very similar i suppose but no one of them's name is daryl which is a the very average name and then pony boy very and normal so, name and soda pop those are impotent like those are yeah those are hilarious names um but yes i like that instead of i like that she but i, I think it says something about her she also testifies on their behalf she's and not, she testifies she, she's on not their a behalf. bad person i just i dislike her no, she's, it's point fair. Of view. she's not a bad person and that and that right and that was not and your point was not that she was a bad person and she yeah. but yes she you know she testifies um on their behalf and bob was her boyfriend yeah who's now dead and been murdered by that by well by johnny i mean technically johnny technically po pony boy is just trying to not die i don't like um, randy's point of view either but he also testifies on their behalf and he also he doesn't also come to the rumble like he has an actual change as a person like he's a what a fourth level character in this and he has an actual character arc where like he grows he, and becomes, he grows from the experience yeah he um, makes a different decision so we don't see so we don't see the that is a minor redemption for the Soches, uh in Randy and Sherry a little bit. Um, so we don't see 
you know, we don't see their hardship and like, oh, everyone's the same in that respect. We all have hardships. But we do get these glimpses that these are these are also people that are capable of change and that these are also people that are that are capable of um of being caring and showing some form of loyalty. You know, Cherry gets this experience of hanging out with these few greasers like at the movies and sort of getting a new she gets her perspective shifted a little bit she's interested in them she likes them like her the initial interaction is with dallas right and she's just kind of like oh like like screw this guy he's just a greaser and pony's like yeah he's my friend i'm a greaser too she's in love she's kind of though she tells us she's she does tell us that but you know but then she's kind of like but she's like oh well i'm sorry and she shifts her and she shifts her attitude she realizes she's being judgmental She's acts as like the liaison a little bit but for the rumble. Like she's a little bit of like a mole, right? Reporting yeah. some like information and stuff back. And then and then she and Randy do testify. So we do see a little bit of that sameness in terms of no, and you know what you're caring probably right. and being I able think... to have grow and to being being able to have some growth and some change and and that these are not that they are not all entirely horrible people, even though a lot of the behavior we are seeing from the socials is absolutely despicable. And, you know, I think you're probably right. And I think I was probably wrong earlier now that I've thought about it a little bit more. I said that I think this book believes that things are rough on that side. And you know what? I'm, I kind of want to take that back. I don't know if that's true because I'd forgotten that because this book is just so dense. I had forgotten. There's a lot in it, yeah. No, it just goes. I've forgotten that Ponyboy kind of has it out with her before the rumble and calls her out, like just that you're not loyal to your side. You're not loyal to these people. And he tells her that thing where he says, I wouldn't want you to see him. You're a traitor to your own kind and not loyal to us. Do you think your spine for us makes up for the fact that you're sitting there in a Corvette while my brother drops out of school to get a job? Don't you ever feel sorry for us. Don't you ever try to give us handouts and then feel high and mighty about it. So I guess Pony doesn't buy this. Like Pony kind of comes to, and and they exchange a couple of nicer words before they part and we don't see Cherry anymore until the trial. But I guess Pony Boy doesn't, doesn't, I, I think maybe at the end he doesn't buy into this, that like things are as rough for them. I think he kind of comes to understand that she's still sitting there in a Corvette. Right. But, you know, whereas Johnny, jo- Johnny has a bad, always. He's not wanted, he's not loved at home. Johnny has kind of one, Johnny has kind of one happy and caring thing in his life. And it is this gang of boys that care for him and make him feel cared for, make him feel loved. He asks that, that horribly sad question of whether or not his parents are asking for him. And, and Dally's immediate response is like, the boys are really worried about you. Yeah. The people that you care about and that care about you are very worried about you. And so like screw these other people, which it, which is not easily said and done if you want to be loved and care, cared for by your parents, and the people who brought you into the world. Johnny um, is also, you pointed this out, he is observant and he is astute. And we see from his interactions with Ponyboy that he's like, maybe can't read super well and isn't, you know, I don't know, he's... His he is educa- not book smart. No, his education level seems to be in track with like a abused and an abused child whose parents are disinterested in him and who the school system seems to be disinterested in. But right, like maybe he's right, like maybe he's not smart, but sometimes it takes a parent at home kind of guiding you and helping you learn how to study and be responsible for your work and stuff to also to, to take advantage of what school has to offer. 
But when he's um, cutting he's Pony smart. Boy's when he's cutting Pony Boy's hair, which is a smart move. It, mm-hmm. it like gets peroxide. That's street smart. Yes, it is also he's literally making him gold, which later in the book he will tell him to stay gold. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't even pick up on that imagery. Man, that feels like it feels like a sixth grade school question right there that I should have noticed, but go ahead. Um yeah, that one's <laughs> That's another that one. Right, that I, that, it was right there for the picking. <laughs> a little on the nose, but um, I, but when well, they're talking, well, I didn't pick up on it. Jeez, he's talking about that, like their hair being their pride, and how the police and so forth always make them cut their hair when they, or the, the what is it, the court system, whatever, the penal system makes them cut their hair because and it takes something, it takes something away from them, and they don't have anything else to be. It's just a way of trying to break us. They can't really do anything to guys like Curly Shepherd or Tim. They've had about everything done to them. And they can't take anything away from them because they don't have anything in the first place. So they cut their hair. Now, I think they also probably do it because of lice and lots of other like incarceration based things. But that is a like, I think there's probably other reasons they cut that people's hair, ast- right? That is an astute observation. Yeah. Because it's something that's, I mean, it's something that's done in the army too, because it's meant to take away a little bit of your individuality, right? Like that's, that's like a little bit of the thing why they shave your head when you first join the army. There's again several reasons for it, but one of it is that like they are yeah. sort of breaking you down, right? Like whoever you are to build yeah. you back into what they need, they want and need you to be. So um, there is, and I, yeah, and I had actually I had made a note, I had made that same note that hair is like hair is such a big part of this book. Pony boys, Pony boy has a lot of pride in his hair. There's a lot of mention of hair. They're all they're all they all have combs in their back pocket. They hey, all use I... grease. You, this book was preaching to the choir. I get it. I, yes, if any, if anybody had some some harrowing hair stories of being I, a, a a younger person, it it was you. I understand. All you wanted it was long hair. Yeah, I understand wanting your hair a certain way and not liking when other people mess with it. So let's do some quotes. Um, so something that I thought was really uh something that I highlighted that I just thought was really funny. Um. So after the the fire incident, um, you know, there's some adults standing around, like the, the 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 parents, right, of the children that are rescued are standing around, and so one of the adults, uh, Jerry, accompanies Pony Boy to the hospital. He accompanies him in the ambulance, and uh, once he's checked out and they're in the hospital, he's sitting, uh, Pony Boy, sitting in the waiting room smoking a cigarette, and uh, Jerry makes a phone call and he comes back and he says, uh, Jerry stares at him for a second and says, "You shouldn't be smoking." I was startled. How come? I looked at my cigarette. <laughs> it looked okay to me. I looked around for a no smoking sign and couldn't find one. How come? Why, uh, Jerry stammered, uh, you're too young. I am. <laughs> I had never thought about it. And I just found that to be hilarious. Yeah, I like that part. You shouldn't be smoking. How come? I looked at my cigarette. It looked okay to me. And it is like, like Jerry comes back and it's just like, you're 14 just sitting here smoking a butt <laughs> if you watch the movie it plays even better i haven't seen it in a while but um the pony boy character is all like burnt up like he's all like covered in soot and singed and oh, everything from the fire and he's sitting there smoking a cigarette when this conversation takes place that's um, even better i'm very excited to watch this movie there is also uh francis ford coppola went back in the mid-2000s i think and added footage that had been taken out of the original theatrical release in the 80s to make the, the to make the movie the complete novel oh it's called the it's called it, it i think the dvd version of it um for you and for our listeners is called 
the outsiders the complete novel i think is the is the is the version you want to look for if you're looking for the full thing oh yeah the, the theatrical release is like 90 minutes um but he went back and added in other footage and like uh he made a few other small tweaks se hinton wrote the screenplay with him i believe and was very very close to the production of the movie and has spoken very highly of the adaptation and of working with him and of all these kids because she's like you know them now as like very famous worldwide stars and it was just a group of like really nice boys when i met them which i think is very sweet that is sweet um, um one co- one oh, more wait. just like funny quote yeah, that on. i had um when they're when there's two two things when they're when they're saving these children he looked over his shoulder and saw that the door was blocked by flames then pushed open the window and tossed out the nearest kid and i just like that wording and then um i like know, the pony part boy, so pony boy joins in and says i picked up a kid and he promptly bit me yeah i was gonna say I like, he promptly <laughs> bit me and those were just those were just the two things that i thought were funny everything else that i wanted to quote we've we've kind of discussed um, um, another one that I thought was that I thought was funny was um, when they go to whatever the guy Buck, whose whose house Dallas is sleeping at, because he just kind of crashes mm-hmm. wherever. Um, he says Buck answered the door when we knocked, and a roar of cheap music came with him. I like that. Yeah, I like cheap that too. Music. Um, let's see. Another one that I had that I just I just thought was a, a good line was when he's talking about how no one ever really wants to go to the movies with him. Soda Pop can't sit still, but he says. Derry thinks his life is enough without inspecting other people's. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, I have some of us never cry at all, like Dally and Two Bit and Tim Shepard. They forgot how at an early age. Um, yeah, stuff it? like that makes me just I cannot believe this book was written by someone in high school. So would you recommend this book to others? Would you recommend that people read this book if they haven't? Yeah, I have to say, as far as revisiting something um, from my childhood, this was actually even better than when like, I got more out of it now. I, I got something new out of it as an adult that I did not get when I was a kid. And I loved this when I was a kid. Like this was, I read this a half dozen times. Same for me. Um, and so for no for no reason at all, our, our first several episodes have been um, about older books. Uh, but would you like to tell them that we are striving forth uh quickly into the modern era with our uh, our next read would you like to reveal that yeah we're gonna do salvage the bones by jesmyn ward i'm looking forward to that it'll be a reread for both of us a reread for both of us all right so we'll see you next time see you next time thanks for listening we hope you've been enjoying reading pop classics if you'd like to write us with some of your own thoughts on the books we're covering or suggestions for books you consider classics or just to say something nice you can email us at readingpopclassics at gmail.com.